Because you moved out here from Ahwatukee now, right? Yes. Did you move out here because the beer was better, or? Let's be honest. Uh, no, I just, uh, I actually moved to Mesa because I was supposed to move to Williams, and then John was like, nah, don't do that. You were going to move to Williams? Well, yeah. I'm We'd never see you anymore. Running this brewery. And I know, stuff, but it's so. so far away. Like, you're doing a great job running it from afar. <laughs> he moved to Mesa because Matt's here. That's true. I moved you know to Mesa did. because I needed to decide where I... Because, I mean, I have some side projects going on, and I also know where the brewery's headed in the future, and I just kind of had to pick a part of town that I believed is going to work. So you're saying that Grand Canyon is going to be Mormon soon? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I knew it. Uh, wow. That is, God damn that it. is exactly what I'm saying. They're going to come door to door and sell you beer. <laughs> That's a great idea. It I is mean, a great idea. That's a religion listen, I can get behind. If there's yeah. anyone from the church that wants to talk about a cross-marketing opportunity. I mean, <laughs> uh, we wouldn't have paid taxes on it? Yeah, I, That's I, ingenious. I, I, hey, let's talk when we're done recording this. Yeah, I don't like taxes. So that would <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Yes, it is. The Church of Beer. Church of Beer. El Crafto Beer. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. You get a, you get mean, a fancy you, hat when you're the head brewer of the, the Church of Beer. To be honest, you really only have to try harder than the uh, the flying spaghetti monster people, and they're barely trying. So, yeah, instead of taking taking <laughs> our our D, a DMV picture with strainers on our heads, we'll use it with grain masks. There you huh? go. Strangers on your head. So strainers. The spaghetti monsters. Uh, they take their DMV. Oh, pe- strainers. Yeah, they yeah. do like a, a pasta strainer. They take yeah, pictures. Yeah, big colander. They actually like protest and went to court and actually have the right now to go take their DMV pictures. With strainers on top of their head. Colander. Is this part of their religion? They're pastafarians. Yes. Yes. That's fucking awesome. They've been they've been touched by his noodly appendage. Yeah. (laughs) Arizona was the first state for that victory with the DMV. Usually we're last. (laughs) No, that's just with racial equality. Oh yeah. Alex, I would just like to ask that you keep your noodly appendage to yourself today. Well since I'm sitting right next to you. No, it's not Alex's, it's his with a capital H. There are zero promises. Call Alex his with his capital H. Alright. It happens. <laughs> so I wanna I wanna welcome everybody here. Big weekend for me. I just met the super troopers last night and I just talked to Matt for like three hours and now we're with my next favorite person. It's Alex from Grand Canyon. Woo-hoo. And uh, I'm, my, I'm gonna be on my fifth law. And we've been drinking soon. a lot of beer and uh, Alex just came from doing yoga and shots, so he's gonna be in rare form as well. Shots, like insulin or uh, primarily. Whatever Dan was making for him. Oh, those kind of tiki yeah. shots. Yeah, what did Dan make for you today? It was. It's actually a bartending competition uh, at Copper Blues. Did Dan win? Uh, Dan was putting it together in coordination with Breakthrough, Earn Your Booze, Q Mixers. It's a pretty big event. I know There's like 200 people there. Guys. It was pretty insane. I didn't want to leave, but I mean. No, I, I feel really bad I made you leave now. Well, well, of course I'd come for you. Plus, I mean, I didn't know what else I was going to do there. I mean, I they, there's cocktails after you. cocktails, and then there's two more rounds, and I was like, ugh. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, and then they trying to do all that crazy yoga, because, I mean, Baptiste yoga uh, is way different than the normal yoga I'm used to. It's very active. <laughs> all I know about yeah, yoga is downward dog. Wait, what kind of yoga is it? Uh, Baptiste power yoga. It sounds like they're baptizing people. It's like in water. Well, uh, they use the word transformative a lot, and I would say that that word is accurate. It's definitely, it's definitely one of those workouts where you feel different and refreshed and on point. 
and uh, a lot of the people that were clearly regulars of his while we were there uh, doing the yoga are super into it. And, I mean, I had a blast. I just might not have had a few IPAs beforehand <laughs> had I been aware. Deep in the green? That, uh, no, uh, it did go a trail hike. I wasn't completely stupid. <laughs> so uh, We had our session IPA on over I'm for really people to enjoy that. watching the bartender competition rather than just drinking cocktails all day. So, I yeah, I watched the first round, which is, I think, like a half a dozen cocktails or so that we ended up trying. They're amazing, but holy shit. That sounds shit. like a rough morning, man. Like, I'm so sorry that you had to go yeah, through Dan that. Is, uh, he's pretty good at this because he likes to start feeding me stuff. And before I know it, I'm like, well, this is really good. And I'll have another, I'll have another. And then I don't know where I started. And then you're fucking hammered and you're falling out of the truck as you come back from strong beer. Yeah, we're not talking about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some of us are still talking about that it. That was so last month. <laughs> <laughs> Always living in the past. Oh, hey, it's my wife. It's my beautiful oh, hi. wife. She's so pretty. God, you're lucky. What is she doing with you? <laughs> Jesus, woman. <laughs> Can someone get April another lolly? Did you hear her laugh? Oh, that was amazing. She's gorgeous. So if I haven't introduced everybody, this is, we got typical um, Kevin here next to me running the running the modules here. What are we spinning down? Yeah, I'm AKA watching the knobs. I'm watching the knobs. You're always watching the knobs. My AKA Dick my producer. Yeah, you know, you know, my buddy in crime here is uh, Joe, who's off saving lives today. So April's here. Oh, great! Thanks, babe. I'm glad that you're so She's, excited to have me I'm here. I'm always excited to have you. So you're the comic relief, and then we have one of my most favorite people in the world. We have Alex from Grand Canyon. Hi, Alex. Hey. I too you love ever Alex. Ever get the opportunity to meet this guy and talk to this guy? Take full advantage of it because the stories are oh. unending and they're constantly entertaining. Please don't. I don't like people. <laughs> <laughs> You're See? so good at I've it. Met, I have enough friends. Thank you. Just ask him to show you his lightsaber. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I'll do that. He'll, or know, his what, he'll know what you mean. Yeah, know or his mustache. Mean. It's not as dirty as you think it is. I mean, <laughs> it could be as dirty as you want to be. <laughs> See, and then it, like, if you bend the knuckle, it's even more pretentious. Oh. Oh, oh it's <laughs> like, like a... Is it snidely whiplash? Like a it's, stiff it's upper lip mustache. And then you just, like, crook the knuckle. <laughs> you're like... Rrr. And all of a sudden, I'm a tax accountant from the 1800s. Was, was like that, that, like, on purpose? Or you were, like, one day really drunk? You're like, hey, let's do this. No, Thank you, yeah, Ashley. Um, the guy who did that uh, did most of my leg sleeve and uh, my chest. He, uh, he used to live with me in Phoenix and... One day I was like, hey, I want to, I was like, I know it's not the most original thing in the world, uh, but I want a mustache finger tattoo. And I was like, but I want it to like, I want it to, at first I wanted to be able to wiggle it, but then I realized I can't really like wiggle my finger. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing I checked that first. <laughs> uh, then I just have some dipshit wavy mustache. And then so he like, he played with it a bit and he's like, if I do it like this and like he drew it on first and it looked great. And then so he just uh, tattooed it on. So do you have the same guy who does all your ink? Or? Uh, no. Uh, I wanted to originally in my life. Uh, well, like, stick with one tattoo artist. But when you get your first tattoo in a hotel room when you're 19, uh, after you've been <laughs> drinking all day, you, you're probably not setting yourself Wait, up for you success. you didn't have to sign the form that you hadn't been drinking? Oh, I mean, there's tons of forms at, like, some rent-by-day hotel that someone's tattooing out of. So You don't, you don't have, like, a holiday That's in tattoo right somewhere, there, yeah. do you? Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of cool that you took it to a hotel room, though. <laughs> she found it. So that used to be that skull face that's the in only the midst of your Yeah, the first tattoo I got to when I was coming up. Uh, it used to be the Lord of the Rings writing around the ring, 
But like, and I'm fine with that because I still have like some dwarvish bullshit yeah, over here. Very cool. But dwarfish. it's just it's so the scar tissue is so gnarly, uh, and it was oh, just so was bled purpose. together. No. Is this just because he didn't? He I, wasn't skilled I had, yet. I, yeah, I had it covered up with like this full sleeve because it all kind of like flows together now. So when you decided to do this, you're like, cool. I have a buddy who's going to do me a tattoo. It'd be really cheap or free or for a, a case of beer. Let's do it. And then after you do it, you're like, fuck what I do. Man, I, you keep making it sound a lot cooler than it was. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not making it sound that cool. <laughs> so, um, no, I never wanted tattoos. My stepfather was not my favorite what? person. He was covered in them, and I just wanted to be different. And then, I don't know, it was somewhere, I mean, trying to recall 19, much less yesterday, is a bit difficult. I can't so, last week. I think... I mean, both my first tattoos were Lord of the Rings. Um, I can remember wearing a lot of sleeveless shirts after I got my armbands. <laughs> so I was, <laughs> was definitely that guy. So you still have a tramp stamp or any like barbed wire around your ankle or whatever now? Yeah. At least I don't have any of that. Are you going to go meet Frodo <laughs> at Comic-Con next week? Uh, oh, no. He totally has a tramp stamp. No, he Stop doesn't. It. Do you really? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm going to post that and put it on my Instagram page. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I mean, I my back is completely tattooed, we so it is it is it is a tattoo that is located on my lower back, <laughs> as the rest of my it back just, is it just tattooed. Grew there, right? Yeah. As the rest of my back is tattooed as well. Right. So it, it kind of flows through. <laughs> it was the last space available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I mean, I'm fine with it. I just if we're gonna be you clear. still have your neck. It's okay. <laughs> I still have my hands and my knuckles yeah, and my yeah, my neck. I know I forgot to ask Matt about that. What's he called that? Um, a job killer. Yes, that's yeah. exactly it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. What if you have it on your neck? No, that's on your a knuckles. Job. On your knuckles? Yeah. yeah it's there. Yeah. There's Doesn't he have it on his knuckles? No. no. Oh, Greg does. No. Yeah, he does. Oh, yeah, Greg does. Yeah, Greg does now. Yeah, but Matt called that a job killer. That or the hand. Why yeah. your knuckles? Like. Because because you can't cover any of that stuff with sleeves. You can't wear a long sleeve shirt and cover that shit up. Yeah, Actually, nobody like, cares anymore. Well, I mean, people still do, uh, for sure. Not you can industry. wear gloves. You can I mean, wear not gloves. Not industry, sure. Yeah, but, but we're a specialized industry. But we're if you work in craft beer for three years and then go like try to become an accountant, who for does a law, that? Law nobody. Firm, and you've got like nobody does that. You know, like uh, beer belly, you know, tattooed on your knocks. <laughs> like it might be hard <laughs> to get a job. <laughs> just I just think that people, like, people are gonna have stuff tattooed on their nuts or special God, breed of people like why? that's gotta it, hurt like motherfucker yeah, going on a list mm-hmm. yeah no thank you no. no yeah so yeah just i think it was like trying to be cool or something i don't know i ended up working for a tattoo shop like a summer later and that's kind of how i got the rest of did you ever tattoo no so i know like everything about it except one of the most frustrating parts of my life is uh I want to be artistic and I have a lot of ideas, but these giant clunky fucking hands and my brain's ability to make them function right don't work. Mm. So like I can't draw, I can't I can't do anything. Like we're, we I can come up with ideas brain. and I can like like I can grab a hold of people like Kevin Calloway and uh, you know any of the people that I generally work with uh, and they can they can figure out what I'm trying to say to them, but I, I can't sit down and draw something. That's one of the things that God blessed me with is that I can draw. I am a creative person by nature. Yeah. I turned on a full-ride scholarship at Grand Canyon U- University, to, mm. but I had to be an art major. Ah. Like, what the hell am I going to do with an art degree? And I said, I was like, no, I don't want it. Cause I was like, Tattoo like, people and, you know, I guess, but risk herpes the rest of your life. I wasn't necessarily into that, and I was like, well, I'm not going to 
travel to Europe and look at art. God, I wish I would have now because I would love nothing more than to do that. But I was like, no. And instead, I ended up going to ASU and being a design major and then graduating with a degree in justice because I want to be a law and now or be an attorney. Now I make beer and run a brewery and a podcast. So it. I don't know. Slumdog Millionaire style. I'd have been better off with an art degree. Slumdog been, we could, we could be art critiquing your tattoos right now. Yeah. Uh, Especially this one on his lower back. That's, uh, it's funny you say that. I think, you know, I was going to kind of mention that, you know, so I have like four tattoo artists, I think, maybe in total. And and I used to care more. I don't anymore. Like, I'll, like anyone talented enough can tattoo me if I'm in like San Diego and I want a burrito tattoo on like my thumb or something. I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> burrito? Most of my stuff is <laughs> done, right? Well, we joked about it because me, Adam, and Noel did a, uh, a weekend trip to San Diego, and we only ate burritos the entire time we were there. Was that we ahead of time? You guys decided you were nope. only like this is the trip first where we meal. Only eat first burritos. meal we stopped in Yuma at that best burrito in the U.S. breakfast burrito, or whatever. It's had that. We're like, we should do this the whole time, and then of course, you know, uh, <laughs> my commitment to a joke is flawless. So, but there, there's this weird tattoo culture amongst that that you get caught up in when you first start getting tattooed. I did, and I, I look back on it now. And there, there's almost this, like, art critique within that tribe, right, where, like, that's who you are. Like, that's... I don't want to sound shitty when I say this, but, like, it's generally, like, the the either the most interesting thing about a person or the way they've chosen to receive attention. And then so they always want to talk about it, right? They always want to so talk every about tattoo has to have a meaning or a story. It has to have a meaning or a story or like, you know, I went to this guy or like it's it's almost like, you know, I went to him. Like Paul Booth is like one of the most talented tattoo artists in the fucking world. I've always and still do want a tattoo from that dude just because I love his art and he's legendary. And I'm super into art as it is, uh, tattoos aside. But there are people who like that's that's their, you know, Pliny the Elder kind of shit. And there are people who, you know, want to just... It, it's just this whole like gatekeeping of like what being tattooed is, and then then you're, they're just like, oh, let's. I see that you're tattooed. Let's talk about it, bro. I'm trying to buy an ounce and go home. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Do you, are any of these? Do you regret? No, uh, no rag rats, right? Uh, that, that was something I actually. No regrets. No regrets. Uh, <laughs> I only covered up the first one because of the. Um, the quality, you know, and it wasn't what I had originally kind of envisioned anyways. I told him I wanted it to look like it was searing into the skin, and you saw what was covered up. Uh, it was nothing even close. He used black ink that turned green. It was very jailhouse. It was very... Jailhouse. <laughs> it was... Uh, but not Elvis jailhouse. Listen, a young Alex uh, was very gullible, and that's why I'm such a cunt today. Uh, <laughs> you have a fascinating... Past, but we're not going to go that deep today. Yeah, yeah, that one's. Uh, that's, yeah, that's another that's, time. That's, that's, a, that's, that's another podcast. That's the next time you're on the podcast. But I, I <laughs> the next one time. thing I love about Alex, and I tell everybody this, is that I love Alex's self awareness. Like he's, he will, he tells these stories and he tells like truth about himself, and he'll tell you like something that you're just like, why are you telling me this? But. <laughs> It's because he's... Overshare is my signature move. Yeah. Like, it's like his honesty and his just, hey, I'm a real person and this is me. And if you don't like it, fuck you. I'm trying to like... See, Tupac told me that same shit when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. I'm just trying to be the realest dude there is, just like Tupac. That's it. There's not a lot of people in the world that I will drop whatever the hell I'm doing 
when they send me a message and say, hey, what are you up to right now? And I will actually reply back, nothing. I could be having, you know, I don't know, Bratwurst with um, David Hasselhoff in Germany and Alex will text me <laughs> and I'd be like, I'll be right there, Alex. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like, Good to hey, know. I'm on the west side. What are you doing? Good and to know if anything comes up. We've got the Queen up. of England yeah. sitting there having tea with us, and we'll be like, <laughs> see you, Liz. No, she's not well, David Hasselhoff. I Asselhoff. appreciate that. No. Hey, she's the queen. Like, she's care. amazing. No, this is America. But no. When yeah, Alex, this is America. When Alex says, hey, what are you doing? What are you up to? You want to go do this? The answer is always yes. Yes, I do. I do want to well, do that. Yes. I've never done it before, and I'm a little bit scared, and I don't want to get arrested, but let's do it. burritos. Because I'm all about the bees. Right. <laughs> My name's Brandon. I love the bees. Yeah. Yeah. So, dude, Brandon, beer and burritos. Well, I mean, <laughs> maybe that's, maybe that's, yeah. and uh, I don't want to like tune it up, but like that's kind of the fun about when we do hang out. We, we just don't plan it. We're just like, let's go do this thing. Go to oh, San Diego. Did you listen to our live podcast an hour ago with Matt. And then you, we just kind of figured it out on the way. Like, I, I live in pure chaos. Pure chaos. I don't plan anything. God, I, <laughs> I wake up every day with more work than I can legitimately accomplish. Always. I, I, I agree. And I may get even more than I could finish for the day after I wake up. In addition, I get to the I've accepted day. this a long time ago. And so I just roll with what needs to be done. I, I, I know it needs to be immediate. I know what's, you know, an emergency. And those things change over time when you understand, you know, your industry and you know, there's some charlatans out there that steal a lot of your time when you're naive. Um, but you, you, you learn to hone it in, and I just, yeah, I just work in pure chaos, man. I just I wake up, and I'm like, I need to do these things, and I need to get them done. Do you even sleep at night? Oh, uh, no, not really. <laughs> God, I just, I just, I, I get it, because, little, I don't sleep. I get up, I go to the brewery, <laughs> and I make a list of everything I had to do today. It's like 14 things on there. And as I'm going, I'm, I'm crossing things off. I'm getting things done. Crossing By the like time I leave, it, leave at night, my yeah. list now says 30, and I've canceled <laughs> 10 of those things off. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah. it's like that. For sure. And then, I mean, if you want to do other things like play video games or read or God, you just got to sleep less. Games. You just got to cut it out. I might my, my I haven't played video games so much <laughs> that my Xbox like, it, it expires yeah. and I'm like oh should I go to log on to play something I'm playing a while let's do this and my Destiny account like oh you're it's expired I'm like shit what the hell am I gonna do Yeah they make you commit to that stuff now Yes like commit And so every Christmas I want it and I wait to activate it till the last moment when I know hey I can really commit a good solid week of, of leveling <laughs> up and then I'm like okay now I'm ready let's do this. And then I play it for a week or two, and then yeah. I forget. And before you know it, I'm like, I only leveled up like three levels in the last six months. Mm-hmm. And I feel really bad about myself. Yeah, that's embarrassing. Like, I leveled up like five levels of Candy Crush on the way over here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my wife is the Candy Crush master. Are you sure. a 360 or a PlayStation guy? Uh, oh, no, Xbox so One. I'm sorry, Xbox One. I dated myself right I'm there. I'm a Nintendo guy. You know, I grew up in the 80s, you know. Uh, You're a Nintendo yeah, kind of guy? Yeah. I mean, I grew up on the NES, right? Uh, the SNES is my favorite system, the Super Nintendo. But uh, you can't log on and play with your friends. Hold on. I'll get there in a second. We're still behind. PlayStation hasn't been invented yet. You're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> so um, I stay on Super Nintendo for a long time. 64 puts out Smash Bros., my buddy, one of my best friends at the time, he's like the richest kid I knew. He got a PlayStation before anyone up in the mountain. And, you, and the, his dad had to drive to like fucking Flagstaff to get it too. 
Because this is like 3,200 people in like 2001 or and whatever. what town is this again? Pine Top Lakeside. Okay, there we go. The home of the Yellow Jackets or whatever <laughs> they are. Yeah, yeah that's right. Is that a community right. college? Uh, no, that, well, that's Northern Pioneer. Uh, and yes, that is a community okay. college. Yellow Jackets is my high school. Um, <laughs> so I was playing like Battle Arena and Toshin and uh, the original Resident Evil where even like the loading screen where you're like foe like kind of walking up the stairs and then the door opens and the loading screen takes fucking forever was interesting. You know, uh, I remember getting on AOL for the first time with that dude. Oh, it's just weird, weird. That noise will never end. That ding, 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 dong. Dude, we were so excited to just like create an avatar with a green shirt and be talking to a stranger in India. It was <laughs> wild. It was the wildest shit I'd ever lived April gets friend requests from them all the time. I do. Ooh. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I loved PlayStation when it came out. Loved PS2. Uh, the Xbox came out, and then that's when the the rift kind of started, right? I my, VHS so, or beta. Some of my friends they split the divide on me, um, but I've always been the most fiscally sound of all my friends, mm-hmm. and I love them so much. I've literally bought both since inception. I've owned every video game console since. Atari 2600. And to clarify with that, I didn't own a system until a Super Nintendo, and then I built up quite a collection that I had to sell when the Rodeo Chinesky fire burned my hometown nearly to the ground, and I moved to Phoenix. Uh, That's how I paid for my first apartment. Um, I have now bought back every system I've played since I started playing video games. Atari 2600, NES, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis... Uh, GameCube, and then so... <clears throat> Are you hardcore enough where you go deep into, like, I want a ColecoVision, I want a television? No. Um, I'm more of, like, a jack-of-all-nerds. Uh-huh. Like, I'm really into almost everything, and I don't go too deep on very many things. Like, I'm a very... I'm very much into, like, Doctor Who and Star Wars and, like, Marvel Comics and uh, th- a few other things, but most other things, like Dragon Ball Z, I love it, but I'm very t- general. I've seen every episode a couple times. Are you going to go see the Pikachu movie? Yeah. Really? I've been, I've been playing I Pokemon under- I since I was 13, that. dude. Like, come on. I don't get it. Me neither. I don't, dude, I don't even know what the fuck it is. I, I don't either. It's like this little yellow thing that walks around and goes, Pikachu. You s- you've seen previews. All I know is Deadpool is now a little yellow fuzzy thing. And it's not as good. Or you could just say Green Lantern became Pikachu. <laughs> but nobody knows about Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah. So when you leave here today and you're going to go and play a video game, what are you going to play? Uh, so because I don't get deep anymore, like, you know, I would play, you know, Call of Duty, Halo, uh, Skyrim, uh, 500 One. hours. Uh, so I was Xbox primarily for a while. But again, I always get the PlayStation to play the games. And most of my friends online are on Xbox. But right now, the Nintendo Switch is really yeah. just yeah. tickling my pussy. My, my all boy sorts bought of one of those. And he hooked it up in the back of the TV. He's actually in the kitchen. We have a TV. We have a 32 inch TV. And he sits in the back and plays video games. And he bought himself a Nintendo Switch and a PS. It's the best gaming system that's ever been made. Yeah. And he sits back there and plays like Super too. Smash Bros. And he's fighting. I'm like, what are you playing? He's like, I'm playing with my friends. Here's the deal, man. I, you asked me if I was Xbox or PlayStation. I told you I'm Nintendo because that's how I grew up. So the Zelda game they just put out, Breath of the Wild, is the game I've been waiting to play for 20 fucking years. 
this is the best Mario Kart that's ever been made. And every game they're putting out on the Switch is the best, most robust, fan-serviced version of everything they've done. Super Smash Brothers, Splatoon 2, it's all on fire. I like they remastered Final Fantasy 9. I just got done replaying that. It was amazing. But The Binding of Isaac is what I play when I go home. Okay, so the new Star Wars game is coming out. Battlefront or no, the uh oh shit, the the new Kotar yeah. thing the so, Mr. Rahal might have talked me into that one. What do you? Okay, what what platform are you gonna get it on? PlayStation Five. PlayStation Five is not gonna be out till the end of the year, or no, beginning of the year. Yeah, but I want to play Sicario: Shadows Die twice. But you'll be like really, four months really, behind really, by really then. bad. Um, I want to play Shadows Die twice really bad. That's like Tenchu meets Dark Souls, and Dark Souls was like my jam. Loved. I, I love a game that just beats you. Like, that's Binding of Isaac when we talk about it. Like, I just love games that are merciless. They just beat the absolute shit out of you. It's how I grew up. Platformers, Mega Man, those remember, games weren't fun. They were, it was a job, and you felt accomplished. I mean, obviously, they were fun and entertaining, but, like, you earned shit. You didn't, like, pay money to level up or unlock a skin. Those things were hidden behind effort. And the new Star Wars game was, they're not going to do that to us. That's what I've... So the age of microtransactions started with Gears of War 3. So if we look at the timeline, it hasn't been very long. So I'm hoping that this ends it. I'm hoping that at least maybe microtransaction-based games will kind of move towards Fortnite-style players. Yeah, I don't play Fortnite. A, a younger generation. But, I mean, that's the thing is no one wants to be called, you know, a cunt by a 12-year-old on Xbox. <laughs> No one wants to be called the N-word from an eight-year-old from Wisconsin when you're trying to play <laughs> zombies at three in the morning. Wisconsin do you, do you troll those people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you ever like, like, hey, I fucked your mom, so shut up? You know, That's previously in my life, I loved being a contrarian. No, I love being a contrarian, and I'm just tired, man. I just, I want everyone to win. I'm just, I, I don't. I just don't want to deal with shit anymore. You just want to go blow shit up some shit? And no, then I just don't even put on the headset anymore. Fuck them. I'll just... If I lose, I lose, but if I can just let the let the play. I just went and bought myself a new $120 set of headphones because they're awesome. I do have a badass gamer headset just in case I need to bust it up. Yeah, they're <laughs> I, I mainly use it. that for like meditation or audiobooks. But meditation. <laughs> I in our line of work, if you're not meditating, you're you're missing, I, I, you're missing a step. So I had the whole <laughs> conversation with Matt previously today about relaxing and vacation, and he goes to Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, just uh, for just me, I like to I like yesterday. to shoot a lot of shit and drink a lot of beer. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got. But their I, but it's not working anymore. I need to go to the next level. Yeah, yeah I mean, he I needs think gummies, that, Alex. I think that I think that feeding. <laughs> Seriously, Alex, you need to talk to him. Obviously, about as someone who clearly just feeds their serotonin fix with drugs. I encourage that kind of behavior, <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> what all, I mean, just at like the meditation thing, it just allows me like I just put it in my so I do I use an app for it, and then like I also do Duolingo because I'm trying to learn Spanish. Um, so in my chaotic life, it's like the only anchor I've got, right? So um, I run on passion, and most people that know me know this. And passion is just like a half step from anger, which is not an emotion. <laughs> which is not an emotion I like to live in. If you also, if you also know me, yeah. I don't. I don't like to live in anger. I'm very passionate about what I like, but I also don't want to deal with bullshit. So, 
I try to be mindful. I try to take a minute. Uh, sometimes if I don't want to deal with something, I'll, I'll, I call it sandbagging. I'll, I'll write an email and I'll just drop it into my, there's like a, there's like a thing you just drop it into where it's like a draft. It's not the draft box, but more or less it's a draft ready to go. I'll get back from the gym in the morning. I'll take my 10 minutes. Usually I delete like half of those. <laughs> yeah. So wait, you're going to, the, you're getting up early and going to the gym now? Yeah. Uh, I told I know, you, I told you I'm such a fat ass. You're like, not I have, no, I have no self-control. So I'm going to eat like shit all day, but preventing myself from gaining more weight is so much fucking work. Because you're like five inches taller than I am, and mm. you probably weigh the same amount that I do. And it makes me feel really bad about myself sometimes. Well, then just look at pictures of me from two years ago. I mean, no. I looked disgusting. No, I uh, didn't. What? You did not look disgusting. I, was, I mean, it was gross. No, no, you, you got you and now you, you and Dan come in. I'm like, fuck, you're like the like a ambiguously gay duo. You guys are like, all, <laughs> you're all. Thick. For the record, he's riding on the back of my thighs. Yeah, and you, that's <laughs> you guys are like all fit, and Dan's got his his sleeves cut off now. I'm right? like, I know. Fuck, Dan, Dan's would you all did you just, off his gun. yeah? Did you just do like a bunch of curls or something? He like comes in, he's like, hey, Brian, you need some beer? I'm like. Did you just come from the he gym or what? Also, just like someone who like hangs out with him a lot and like works side by side with him, he got really, really strong. He did. Like he came in before. I'd be like, ah, oh, you know, I won't bother Dan with that. But now I'm like, Dan, get over here and save my back some fucking. Yeah, he gave me a hug last week, and I was like, Ugh! and I'm like, I was like, actually, I was like struggling for breath. I'm like, he doesn't know his own strength. I'm pretty sure his maxes are bigger than mine for sure. Yeah, easily. he's he's under level. He makes me feel a little bit worse about myself every day. Hey, well, I mean, and then he I comes in, Dan. and then he comes in, sells me beer, and I'm well, all. Well, tell him I'm, that I'm so it gives it. him tons of anxiety. I just, te- I, just, I just texted him right now. Oh, he just texted me back. Yeah, he's really bummed. He's not here today. Well, I'm sure that all the cocktail competition and the fact that he's worked two 15-hour days back right. to back will help him get over it. Right. His <laughs> boss must be a dick. Such an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> so let's bring it. Actually, let's let's, yeah. let's let's dive into beer a little bit. Sure. So Dan, we've had him on the podcast before. We love Dan. I like Dan. You're his boss. I work with Dan, yeah. And you're his best friend. Yeah. How does that work? Until it doesn't, I guess. But it's one of the rules. If we had Matt sitting here with us right now, we'd be talking about this. Friends and work don't mix. How do you guys make it work? I'm not everyone else. That's for sure. Early on, right? So. Dan makes it easy, but you know, I mean, you have to consider like a lot of my team is like this, right? Like John, founder of our company, CEO, my my my, my main my main dude. We've been friends since we were kids. How I old was is that? How old are you guys then? Yeah. Like Just water. Sixth right grade. He's like, no, he's way older than you. No, he's, he's not. Four months older than me. No, John is not. John A looks younger than me and is. I'm not thinking of the same guy. You were, yeah, no. John is baby faced and handsome and Show very me young his looking. Picture. I will. I want to see it. I'll bring up a picture. It's Alex's screensaver. It's not. <laughs> Alex's screensaver is him and Dan cuddling. <laughs> no, is that. Well, the one cuddling in the, uh, in the hammock is actually me and John. <laughs> oh, wait, I don't even know what you're talking about. Because yeah. I just assume anytime I see you. Cuddling with another man is yeah. Dan. Yep. John is. What? That? That's the founder of our company. He's so young. I thought it was 
who's an old dude? No. Who's the old dude that I'm thinking of? I have then? no idea. Brian Young used to work for me. Oh, is he an old dude? Yeah. That's him. I mean, yeah. Silver this Fox. is this dude is this is Grand Canyon. This young Mormon-looking dude. He's so handsome. He's German. Yeah. Him and Sarah got three kids. But yeah, he's. Oh, so they are. Like I've known John since Mormons who drink is what you're saying. So you guys grew up together. So I've known John since the sixth grade. Maybe prior to that, we rode the bus together as kids. Um, yep. And then we kind of came back together after the death of a mutual friend. That kind of circled our worlds back together, and that's what kind of brought me on board here. What year was that? Uh, 2012, okay. December. Happy discussion. Well, we're just kind of like life throws you hurdles. Yeah, and we're people just fall apart. You never we're know. Just, I mean, we can get back to it, but we're just going to pass by it for a second. And then uh, Sam and I were friends before I brought him on, and Ryan and Tucson, you know, the same thing. Um, I, you know, just like marriage, right? I don't think that things have to be mutually exclusive. I think that the world has a lot of tropes that we're supposed to try to follow. Um, my wife is my best friend. She is the person I would prefer to hang out with more often than not. She is my partner first. She is just a human I hang out with that is not in a rude way, but like a roommate and a partner and a business partner. And every conceivable action in my life, she's, you know, like that engaged, right? And then, so when I consider my friends, when I consider friends, it's people who are rooting for me, not against me or not bothering to, right? Mm -hmm. And so, I'm not selling getting rich. We all know this. I have to be upfront about it. I sell a lifestyle, which is take care of your family. That's a great way to put it. Just do your job. If you have to stop at the bank for 20 minutes on Tuesday, do it. When it makes sense, put it into your schedule. Don't be thinking about it all day and then take off half an hour of work and be dishonest to me about it because you have to get it done. Live your life and just just, just do what you're supposed to for me and live your life. And that makes things, I think, a lot easier when that's my top-down mode is that I want to be friends with these people. I, I run on emotion. I run passionately. I, I'm not going to employ someone I don't get along with because they're effective. I just won't, man. Like, I just... That's the, 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 the few, uh, you know, benefits of capitalism, right? I'm supposed to be able to choose who I engage in business, in commerce with. I'd like to do it with people whose family barbecues I'd like to be at, who, you know, people who I want to grow close to. And so I think that's how we make it work. You know, Dan and I talk about that about every six months <laughs> just to kind of reevaluate where we're at. But it's just kind of how I've always operated. Obviously, me and Dan being as close as we are has made it a bit more of a of an obvious like indicator of like a potential issue. But I mean, we talked about it as soon as like I think three days ago. How'd you guys meet? Uh, you know, he reached out. Well, actually, no. That was the first time I remembered him until he reminded me how we met, <laughs> and that's probably the first time I've said that out loud. Um, so we met at the beer festival in Peoria that was right behind where the old Peoria Artisan was when Dan was volunteering for the Santan booth oh, and no, working for BevMo. That's the... That was... The, at yeah. the one at the Peoria Sports the Complex? One. That's not Peoria. That's... Uh, no, no. It was Peoria. It was right there in that, like, ball field or whatever right by the Peoria Artisan Tap Room or the old one. No, the old one is oh, way out in Oh, the one in Litchfield. Yeah, yeah, Litchfield. At the Wigwam. The wigwam, which was actually done by Dogfish, 
It was yeah. The so, bocce ball. Yeah, so Dogfish did a bocce ball, Dogfish yeah. one, and then they also did a bacon one, as well. I remember that because I, I volunteered, and I think I poured for. Her. I yeah, this I this one was a while ago. This was like yeah, 2014. like six years. Yeah, like six seven years ago. Yep, exactly yeah. right. Yes, I was there. I w- you know what? Funny story. That's where I met Noel. Oh. Noel came up to our booth. We were volunteering and pouring in another booth, and Noel came up and talked to us. At the time, he was going to do the whole Ebner thing. Mm-hmm. And we sat and talked to him. Do and you he was still like, have Ebner gear? It's my yes. favorite to wear around. And he him. was thankful for, because he said we were the only people who were actually willing to talk to him and explain to him about what they were going through starting a brewery. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of shocked at the time. Cause I like, mean, to be clear, I did sit down with him. Must have been after. And uh, talked with him and Jared. Uh, and that's how I ended up becoming close with Noel, uh-huh. uh, similar fashion. Um, I was friends with Adam. Noel worked at City Wine and Spirits with him. Uh-huh. Um, and then that way I got to know Noel a little bit. And I, I can't remember how it kind of happened, but I ended up sitting down with him and Jared and just kind of talking about beer stuff. And, like, I don't know, it's just always kind of weird. Like, I can't remember a time when, like, Noel became such a close friend of mine because it just feels like, it always has been that way. Yeah. Right? But there was a time where we were interacting <laughs> and it wasn't like that. But it's it's hard to put the moment on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, people ask me, like, when did you meet so and so? I'm like, I don't know. It was it's almost always at a beer festival, usually. Only per- only yeah. person I ever remember like the first time I met is, is, is Steve McFate because at the time we had the same mentor. We all we both were at Colorado Boy. We actually missed each other by four days. He had been up there, and Tom kept telling me, you got to talk to this guy, Steve. He worked for me. He stayed here. He's going to do this. He's in Phoenix. You ever met him? like, no, I have no idea. He's like, you got to talk to Steve. you got to talk to Steve. you got to talk to Steve. And I think at one point I even sent him a message, and it wasn't until like seven months later we went to the Craft Brewers Conference in San Diego, mm. and we walk up to this booth, and there's, a, there's these two guys standing in front of us, and – it's on the back of the shirt. It said McFate Brewing Co- or it said, no. I'm sorry, Fate Brewing Company. No, it didn't. It said it was a Colorado boy shirt. Oh, you're right. Yeah. yeah. And I turned to you and I said, that's Steve. Yeah. And you were like, come on. How do you know? And I'm like, that's him. I know it's him. And it was. And you were like, all right, go ask him. And I go, okay. And I did. And it was him. Yep. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since then. It was it was crazy. That's, that's actually how we met. But yeah, I, I met a lot of people and they asked me, how'd you meet him? I'm like, Generally, it's a beer fest, and generally, it's a lot of alcohol flowing, so we don't remember a lot of times. <laughs> and then, like, I don't know, familiarity breeds comfort, right? So you've drunkenly met the same six dipshits like, like fifteen times. How did we? Meet and then out? you just you just feel familiar with people, so you're just like, hey, what's up? Uh, guild meeting for us. Um, oh, you're right. It was in Tucson. Yes, sir. Was it? Because there was the old guy. We were at... Um, that was the old guy I'm thinking about when I think about Grand Canyon. I thought that was the guy oh, you were talking about. Oh, no. That wasn't Brian Young. No. That, was, uh, that was Mark Roggenbach. Oh, I and yes, Young. it was. Because he took me out to I his know car. Brian Young. That's yeah, it, it, was, it was Mark Roggenbach. He used to do what I do uh, yeah. for the company. Yeah. yeah, he took me out to his car and gave me like oh, six Mark's bottles awesome. of all of the Grand Canyon beers they had at the time. And we, I was all excited. Again. Oh, my God. Somebody's giving us free beer. Yeah, we took it home oh, and drank yeah. it. I was like, this is awesome. Yeah, Mark's awesome. They caught the Boston bomber. You know why I know that? Because we were listening because to it you all the way to, to true Tucson. Crime all the time. Like <laughs> yes, every she does. On the planet. <laughs> yes, she does. I'm hey, Jacqueline, April's also a murderino. Is she really? Is Jacqueline a murder bitch too? Murderino, I believe is oh the term. Oh my God. You guys I went to the podcast. We, we did. We, go, we, we went, went to, to podcast, MFM, we yeah. You went, to, you went with Dan? Yeah, me and Dan took the wives to MFM. Yeah. Oh, and they didn't invite us. Oh, uh, 
Well, I already had to hear it from Noel and Jalen. So my yeah. favorite murder. My the best. favorite murder. Yeah. I always want to sing it like the that. The best. Yeah, let, let's hashtag them in our podcast, and we'll get like six oh, followers will. from they them. Oh, they will. They love us. Yeah. Because if you hashtag them, they're like all really? into that. Mm. Yeah. They're normal people. So they all went, and we didn't get to oh, go. Oh, she's like, right whatever. there. Like, you'll have to, you'll have to shout out her. Yeah, and I want to know about that shit. Because remember they were talking about We went and had, we played tree with Jen. I outed you as a murderino. Sorry. She ignored you. I know. Yeah, like she I'm all about anything new on Netflix. I watched 48 Hours, Primetime Live. Uh, 2020 Dateline NBC. I'm watching them all. She does all the podcast stuff. Uh, she's getting ready to start uh, a true crime podcast about uh, what? Uh, how the systems failed uh, children. Dude, are you're start. Okay. Here, sit here. You're starting your own true crime podcast. Okay, we're bringing it over. <laughs> Kevin's giving up the mic. Introduce your wife, Alex, so everybody knows. This is my beautiful wife, Jacqueline, who works here at the BRI. She's so cute. Jacqueline, I didn't know that you were a My Favorite Murder Girl like me. I am absolutely 100% a murderino, all the way, true and true. Okay. Started with Investigation Discovery or Rescue 911 when my sister and I were young. I was thinking Reno 911. Oh, my God. No, Rescue (laughs) and Unsolved Murders. I'm so hard right now. Yeah, I love, or Unsolved Mysteries. All of those were just me and my sister. We were obsessed with it. Of course, uh, America's Most Wanted. We loved all of those shows. Do you watch 48 Hours? And I watch that on the CBS All Access. I don't. So I am obsessed with just podcasts so all of my entertainment now is like six hours okay, a day just podcast cold that's my new one i haven't uh i have about i don't know 16 17 podcasts i'm current oh on with God. all did you so okay, i'm an array did you listen to this used to be my podcast right <laughs> I know. did you listen to uh, <laughs> yeah okay, we so talk I about beer to, we're gonna drink it all day uh, the, you have a full beer right there the uh, one about the people that go Hold missing I, and I have no beer. Fuck. What's the name of that one? Only if there was... So good. Know. Only if I knew somebody here, but he um, left. Only if someone who worked here was... So yeah. I just uh-huh. listened to... Do you know anybody? I, nope. I listen to, <laughs> no, uh, I, I prefer ones that are solved. I, I like listening oh, no, to ones listen that are to solved. That aren't. See, I'm I, so I bad. like I like an ending to a story for sure. Yeah. Um, the one that I want to start, I feel like, is a topic that's just not discussed enough, which is, uh, I, I want to name it, Welcome to the Failing State, when we see um, our it's states. It's only a of time before there's a murder our states in the fail, brain industry. Uh, our children. Talk about that. And, yes. And, and we see so many cases called, uh, where they say that it was investigated. They said that the home was fine, and then you know, then we have these, we have these really, really, really truly just unfortunate uh, innocent children that are failed by the state. Oh, and I, I feel fun. like so it's just not a topic that really good people want to They're talking over us, and this is really important. I just feel like, yeah, I feel like it's a topic that's not discussed enough, and and I and I feel like you could do it. In a, in a not a terribly graphic way, but still get the facts out there and, and maybe bring a little more attention to it. And I feel like CPS or DCS can change their name as many times her. as they want, but it's, it's not fixing the system. The it's right. not fixing the system, and it's something that we should be talking about. And these kids should be protected. I totally agree with you. So. Oh my God, I'm like this so will have to be your for you. first I'm podcast in. collab. <laughs> yes, all right, you guys, I have to work. I'm it's at all work. about collabs. Speaking of collabs, when are we gonna do this shit? Oh yeah, so lazy. Oh um, my god, can your wife come too? So like, I have someone to talk to because oh my god, she's amazing. Yeah, sure. I mean, if we do it at your place, anytime you want. If it's my you place, can we can need some beer scheduling. and make a lot more than I can. I know. So that's scheduling. We have beers 
in considering my timeline, we should probably maybe bust them out now. Yes, let's do that. Yep, uh, give me just yeah. a second. Yeah. So Alex, yeah, Alex was cool enough to bring us some of their new specialty beers. Oh Jesus! And they are new in a specialty can. Did you hear that? Jacqueline listens to true crime podcasts like me. I did a little bit. Yeah. We are one. Yep. I love yeah. it. We're gonna have to do a collaboration podcast at one oh point. Oh my god, my newest one is cold. It's all about like in my old home state. Like this is my like stomping grounds, West Valley City, the Utah. Like Four thirty. These are not specialty beers. These are not what? No, but they're specialty cans. Yes. Okay. These are, these we Kevin's, have those. Kevin's shoving things. the mic in his face. We have those fancy. These are. And, holder thing. I'm just super excited about it because we're the, kind of the first to it in Arizona, but only because I insisted Wait, you, on it. Wait, so you are the first. We can post this to, on Facebook this and everything size, else. Yeah, I mean, I will be clear that Santan did 24 and Four Peaks did uh, 25, but 19.2 Pilsner cans. That's a pretty can. Woo! That's a very. Uh, Alex, you have very really nice can. cans. Fuck, this is about the size of my junk. We did the trail <laughs> hike in this format too, but. Uh, <laughs> We canned exactly the amount of cans. Oh, they're all the same. Yeah, this is so. Yeah, so (coughs) it's about an experience, right? So okay, but that's like a big can. Like I'm supposed to drink that after drinking all this lolly all day. No, you don't have to drink. No, 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 you don't have to. I'll drink it all. Could I save it and bring it home? You drink yours. Listen. (laughs) She just put it in her purse. So listen. (laughs) The, the reason I'm proud of the 19.2, and I, I specifically talk about being first in this format rather than 24s or 25s, is because this is the tallest you can do a can in the traditional 12-ounce diameter. But so taller, so it's 19.2. You realize that. So the you can realize you were holding it as soon as I said it. Yeah. But you probably wouldn't have just been gripping a 24-ounce can like that because it's, it's just it's unfamiliar. And... <laughs> A lot of where a lot of what keeps me, I guess, on top of what I'm doing in the industry is a lot of my. I've been through the ringer in college a bunch, but like human behavior and like impulse buying and like social interactions are something I'm really good at, and uh, it's something I have a passion for. On top of beer, uh, basically, I like trying to predict how you're going to behave before you do it. And so that kind of comes into this. I am a huge believer in this format. I think it's going to be the next large format for cans. Um, 22 ounce bombers are dead. Crowlers are crowlers, man. But like, honestly, long term, how many establishments other than breweries do you expect to pay five grand to start a to-go beer program, right? And and on our end, that pays for itself the next day easily but you have to understand how tap rooms just they it just doesn't make the same kind of sense for them over time especially because if the trend changes again like they're kind of stuck in the wind now we're up north um pack it in pack it out right um 19.2 that's a big ass pilsner you can just grab that grab two of them grab one of that and one of the ipa go for a hike and so the size also plays for us a little bit because it's traditional and you can grab a handful of these and go hike and have a beer or uh, so like every Monday morning I usually go it's usually Echo but sometimes it's Choya for Camelback hike up there with a buddy of mine I've known for fuck 30 years next year uh, we go hike and then uh, we get to the top and we crack usually one of my lighter beers usually a Pilsner but if I wanted to do two this would be the beer for it I like the size of it 
the side, dude, I, I fell in love with the 192 uh, because Ben Vandermeer is here in Nevada as my neighbor. Uh, and he's Lucky just. Lucky you. Dude. <laughs> also dangerous. But um, <laughs> Ben is so generous and amazing. Uh, he, uh, when I was studying 192s, he, he, he got me lined up and just sitting around and just always like, I don't know, man, like, I'm always trying to bet on the fact that I'm not wrong, but I could be. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just think that the familiarity of the grip, like, 19.2 is close to the Imperial, like, I, I don't know, people who try to sell you the equipment, they're like, oh, the Imperial pint, like, the I don't fucking know, this is America, so I don't need that. <laughs> That can't feel good in your hand. I don't need your fucking it's stone nice. measurement over here, England. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is America. That's right. American Pilsner. So it's 19.2 ounces, England. Get over it. Right. Um, it feels amazing jo- in your hand. <laughs> it feels huge. Uh, <laughs> jokes aside, uh, <laughs> I just, I'm a drinker. We are drinkers. Uh, it's a venue play for sure, but like. I just, when I think about, like, just wanting to grab our light beers, I want to drink them two at a time. <laughs> so what it was... pretty. Like I mean, that, look like, at like, it. Like, the, it's, it... The can pops. That's, yeah, the that's can all Kevin like, Calloway. The can, like the labeling, uh, everything else. Like, if you're a typical Arizona person where you're, like, you know, outdoorsy and... Just, just take a pull off that thing. What are you doing? You're not even... You the can like a heathen? Yeah. That's the whole thing, dude. Just... Pulling from a 19.2, start to finish. That's the that's the experience. I wish my cans were this pretty. Yeah, dude. But once you once you once you're not like sipping off that like the top of a Saint Ives, uh, (laughs) it'll start to feel a little more natural. It's just it just jams, man. And and so we did a five percent pilsner and a four point two percent session IPA. So our pilsner is actually the hitter in these two. Uh, So we did that those two in the format. I mean, I think that beer is kind of coming back to. Reliable core brands and a smaller kind of selection with more focused special releases. And that's just what we want to kind of get back to. And I really, I mean, I know that lagers are popular right now, um, but I have been putting a Pilsner on the shelf for ten or eight ninety nine for 10 fucking years. So um, I figured that doubling down on that in this whole lager fiasco is the right move. So, although like I... Fiasco. The fiasco of it is uh, that, so I mean, obviously, if we're just talking about local beer, I mean, me and Mario Ren are friends, and I love him, and he's never said anything to offend me, and has done nothing but to support my, specifically American Pilsner brand, since he opened, but when I talk about the debacle of lagers, I'm talking about fucking stone, from one provocateur to another, Yeah, motherfuckers, you sat there and talked shit for 20 fucking years about how you were never going to make yellow piss water. And here we are. Fizzy yellow Here I thought I was safe from your fucking reign of bullshit. And you're like, oh, it's popular. I guess we'll go make money. And just like you, me, and Matt were talking about with movies earlier, that's where it, like, I can go make money. I worked in telecom. That's a soulless business. I still don't make as much money as I did over there crushing people's throats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is all supposed to be chill. See, that's what Matt was just talking about. So when, when, when breweries that, like, build their brand on fuck your yellow beer, and then I'm like, cool, but we're, you know, John is German. Uh, a lot of that influences, like, the way we kind of, like, put styles forward in the brewery. Uh, so we kind of bank on that. And then they're like, oh, you know what? It looks like we can make some money in there. Let's go. And it's not just them either. It's not just them. It's everyone else. A lot of else. people have done it. 
it's lots of people who have said, I'll never make a lager. We prefer ales. Fuck that. Like, I don't care if you do it, but if you talk shit and then do it, I'm just going to call you out. Like, we're not trend chasers. It took us till this year to put out a session IPA. How many years has that been now? <laughs> Five? Our sour program is the slowest moving one in the fucking planet. <laughs> <laughs> They're great, but yeah. it moves Yeah, slow. we've had several of them. They're awesome. They're really, really good. Wait till I bring you the new ones. Uh, yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm waiting for those. I need one. I need one yeah. next week. Uh, I'm up to fourth. They come back up. So, um, but like, I've just, you know, the hazy thing, like, I love collabing them with guys that do it, mm-hmm. but it's not my thing. And we're going to stay haze free. Are you really? You're not going to go the Hayes Grace? On the record, Grand Canyon will never produce a hazy IPA from our production oh, facility. No. You put it out there in the public, in the atmosphere. None. Won't happen. Really? So, yeah. Why and is that? Because it's... You th- I drink them. Our brewers drink them. I'm not here to be a contrarian. It's not what we do. It's not what we set out to do. We're still trying to accomplish the goals we set forward five years ago. The market is shifting out from under us every year. We are not chasing trends. We're trying to finish what we started. Like, but sometimes, do you ever worry that trends change? I mean, if Germany, they're still stuck in their own high school boats. Well, sure, but that is changing. It is. Or, I mean, stone close, so is it? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find a polite way to influence that into the conversation, but at some point... Great you, cook is free to call me at any point. Uh, Six oh two. So no Grand Canyon Berlin. Two three three seven. Um, no, I mean that's probably more likely to happen to be successful than Stone, considering our owner, you know, has family there, and wouldn't just be. I don't know. I have no reason to talk shit about Stone. I love them. I love their beers, and I love what they do to this day. I do. I really do. I think that they made a lot of misguided steps in being, uh, in what they've done the last two years. Let's tap on that a second. I think I I a hundred percent think that Wussy was marketed perfectly, but from peer to peer, go fuck yourself. Do you think that the fact that they tried to market an American brand hurt them in Germany, or do you think the fact that they tried to go into Germany and say, look, you guys have been making beer for centuries. We're going to change your mind. Do you think that was the big, I don't say the downfall for them, but that didn't work? I honestly think they just spread themselves too thin. I think it's the same thing that happened to Green Flash, right? Okay, know, that, was my, have, that was my follow-up question. You have the Stone Hotel, you have the Berlin, you have the new uh, Liberty the Station on top of Inscondido. I don't fucking know. Uh, you, you have all these things going on at once, and like the way we've kept our company, and anyone who's been following Grand Canyon long enough knows that we've survived a few death swings. But the reason is, is because when we're faced with these crazy decisions to spread ourselves too thin, it literally has to make 100% sense to us or we don't move forward. Do you guys sit down beforehand when you come up with an idea, this is what we're going to do, and put it out there? Do you, do you look what the ramifications are before you put it out there in the public? I'll tell you that when you come to my brewery, I'll show you where my boardroom sits, and it's on top of our grain room. I've been waiting to come. Inside the brewery. <laughs> so, like, it's literally adjacent to John's office. So you come out of John's office and that's where our board sits. And so when we make decisions about the brewery, we can hear the brewers brewing. We can smell spent grain. We can hear the air compressor kick on. It's important. 
to understand the decisions you make and who they affect and how they affect them. And so, in you know, John always talks about how everyone's replaceable and, you know, this is just the, the company's, you know, and, and it sounds shitty, but, like, the company's got to outlive us. It's got to. Otherwise, what are we doing? And that, that vision is more beautiful than, like, everyone's replaceable. Everyone's replaceable because this is for everyone to live forever. Like, mm-hmm. the only way you leave our company is if you leave or you make yourself leave. Like, we don't, like, we build, like I said, I build culture. We build life. We don't, like, there's not a lot of people in Williams. There's not a lot going on up there, right? And so when we make these decisions, they weigh. So if I'm Green Flash and it's been years and cans are the innovation and I still refuse to go into them, and I move my six-pack into a four-pack with the price change. I increase ABV without letting my consumer know. So you've invariably changed the product. In the middle of the session revolution, I will remind everybody. I actually got to talk to Mike in Nebraska. And I asked him to his face why he was in Nebraska when Mira Mesa still had capacity. He didn't really have an answer that made any sense. I mean, he believed in it, I guess, but like Mir Mesa had capacity, and you went into Lincoln, you, like just poor decision after poor decision after poor decision. I clearly am full of them. Again, anyone who's watched my brand, I've made every shit decision this industry has to offer publicly. I've put this company at risk more times, and I'm proud to admit. But like, you just gotta drive it right. You gotta be true to the core. I think that. I think that some of these brands get lost when they get too big. They, it's bottom line. If it's ever about bottom line for me, I mean, I can go work in a shitty industry again. I can go get a fucking job tomorrow. I don't need that. I need community. I need, I need everyone to win, right? No, no one, no one how shitty going out of business, tap room, brewery, this is going to help me, honestly. Uh, except one person, and you know who you are. I want everyone to win. But that's it, man. It's just, it's got to be, you got to approach it like that. You think a brewery that sold to a bank and opened up with a different LLC with all the same staff the next day had their community or their staff in mind? Green Flash? You think that a company that kickstarted a fucking foreign brewery had its employees or its you know, consumers or community in mind? No. Stone would have been far better served to open up 10 total breweries across California like Ballast Point was trying to do. That would have been far better served. Own your backyard. Make, like, make, like you're so arrogant about the fucking brand. Make Germany beg you to be there. But do you think the fact that Ballast Point recently closed two locations and scrapped plans on a third means that the, the brewing industry is changing? No, I think that the fact that they fired like 50% of the remaining craft staff and then moved all of uh, Ballast Point into import sales, let their barrel specialists go and kill their entire barrel program is an indication that they are gone. Do you think, what do you, what do you think? So like from, you guys are pretty big. What do you no, think their next, but you're big in the States. Even still, not really. But you don't relate to people like that? So we're kind of this weird child in the mix, right? So, like, Four Peaks obviously, you know, helped us get open. Great front runners for everything that's happened here. Uh, long before they were acquired, they were a monster. 
And then the distance between them and Santan was huge. Yeah. Still is. And that's like one and two. And, and, and we're not number three anymore, and we haven't been for a minute. We had quality and production issues that, like I said, nearly killed us. We're back on the upswing. I think we're still in the top five production breweries in the state. We have the third largest vessel brew house, so we got to do something with it. Um, but um, the gap between Santan and number three is literally the size of the Grand Canyon. Wow. It's so huge. So when we were just nipping at their heels on a spreadsheet, like it represented 28, 25, maybe 30,000 barrels difference. Damn. You know, and uh, Uncle Bears and especially the Hus Bus has just been crushing the market recently. The Hus Bus. Hus Bus. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's they're the just, I've the Husses are on fire, man. I mean, Jeff Brews great beer. I mean, it just, it all makes sense. I mean, them just continuing to be successful as shit just makes sense, no matter what, when you think about it. And so, obviously, that continues to drive and uh, these other things. But, like, there's some distance on these barrelages. And so, and then when you put us up against that kind of shit, like, I mean, we're not, pro- like, so we get viewed as big, I think, because we're old. Uh, and we are in the larger kind of segment. But I have to innovate and pivot the way smaller breweries do. How do you combat that? I try to live in both worlds. So obviously I hang out with a lot of small breweries. Uh, <coughs> Noel and Matt and you guys and Dark Sky and I hang out with a lot of big breweries too. You know, I hang out with Ken Wilson from Lumberyard and love the Husses. And, but I have to understand that like I have to sell beer in a grocery store. I have to. Do you like doing that? Yeah, I do. If it, if it's so let's just start back a little bit. Okay. If if it was your plan to open a brewery and do this, would that be your plan now to go into grocery stores, or would it be more about tap room sales? Well, I'll tell you if I had to make that decision again in 2007 when this brewery started, we'd do it the same, with a different understanding of how the future would pan out. But like the beer market is just absolutely different than it used it's to be. It's evolving. I remember having a conversation in Whole Foods in probably like 2015 about why breweries wouldn't produce their specialties more often in package or release them. And I basically had to like explain this whole thing about how expensive this shit is. Uh-huh. But then, you know, within two, three years' time, and honestly, probably like 18 months, mobile canning is invented and, and put to use. It's about another year before that's dialed in, right? But mobile canning is a real thing. Yeah, no, we thought that would become uh, a company. Access to market has become so rapid. You, I mean, I, I've been going to CBC for over five years now, and we've gone from, like, going and hearing, like, XYZ to, like, hey, we give loans to Just Craft Breweries. Let us give you money. And then it's just there's this whole, like, kind of drive for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I had a conversation with Matt after we were done with the podcast. We sat and talked for like an hour afterwards. And I talked to them about... Right, I thought you guys smoking crack out back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we <laughs> so we were talking about this whole thing about some of these breweries, and I, I call it an overextension, that some of these breweries, they were so busy and worrying about keeping up with the Joneses that they overextended themselves. 100%. And they thought that... Oh, if we invest, we, we we finance another thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, somebody knows million dollars to try to keep <laughs> to try to keep up with these keep up with the Joneses, if you call it. Hundred percent. And it seems like a lot of these people have been have been called to the mat now, and it's not working. Yeah, uh, luckily, 
just like I gave everyone an example locally. I said smutty nose because they're my best example. And like these things that I say that sound harsh, I love these brands. I'm sad they're gone. There's not a brewery that's closed in my recent memory that I'm glad is gone. I want these guys, like I said, I want people to win, except you. Uh, <laughs> but um, so I guess I don't know where to go first. Do I answer the grocery store question or? You're going to hit them both, so go for it. All right. So I guess the grocery store thing, just real quick. Um, I like that. And I used to not be into it just because, like, I thought it, like, represented this whole kind of, like, sell out to the man in the process. But, like... Like an indie band. Y- you want to be punk rock, right? And uh, and it's not punk rock to be on tap at Chase Every Field. band's cool, trying to make it until they make it, and then they sold out. But everything's about paradigm, man. So um, you look at it, and uh, the fir- like, every step, and it's there's thousands of them, so every step I kind of shelf up in this industry... I kind of get a peek behind the door, right? And it's it's like, holy shit, like, this is how things go. This is what, like, so it's, it, I remember the first time a retailer was just like, I just want a beer that every time I order it from now until 20 years from now is the exact same. But, I mean, at the same time, like, when you talk about core flagship brands, that's what they should be, regardless whether we're craft or not. It's hard to chew sometimes, though, for especially for a craft brewery. What's hard to chew is that the best brewers in the world are in, Employed by Anheuser Busch, and no one wants to talk about it. <laughs> I love to talk about it. That's it's hard to swallow, man. I mean, when you think about it, consistency is the king here. Like throwing out a new release of a slightly modified recipe every two weeks, and never having to like, never having to even face the music on having something taste the same twice, is a completely different market. Than There's a reason like McDonald's fries taste like McDonald's fries. Last year they did five years ago. You can leave them in your car for three years and reheat them, you know, a year later, and they taste the same. There's a reason. And so as craft beers, we're kind of against that. We want our, our product to be special. We want it to be a little bit different. So it's hard when you start to put your foot into that arena because you're well, start- slow down there. I don't want to call it. <laughs> by I'm selling not nowhere out the, near their arena. But the selling out is the wrong way to put it. But, you know, as I'm looking in here at BRI's system – this is what they want to achieve, and this is what they want to make, and they want to do it. They don't want to compete no, for shelf space on fries. You're looking at a phase of what they want to achieve. You're making an assumption. I'm going off what Matt told me. So, oh, okay. We'll see. That was injected. So, like, everybody wants to get bigger. Everybody wants to grow. So, so I'm not going to hold them against. But them. so, so for clarification, our goal is to achieve oh, as close S3, to or at sixty thousand barrels. Okay, That's it. Good. God, that's crazy. I, well, I just get, to I be get, fair, that's amazingly huge. That's Adam Avery over at Avery. That's their size. Uh, that's huge, but that's also still smaller than Four Peaks before they were acquired. So, so still, I mean, I think almost smaller than Santan at this point. Like, I just, it's like the spirits, right? You know, no big deal. Just uh, ostracize myself from most of my peers in my industry by kicking up a distillery, but. <laughs> Diverting, I don't know, I've always been a fisherman at heart, right? You can't ever, any trope in the world, put your eggs in one basket, bet on one horse, like, smutty nose. Let's bring it all back here. They convinced a bank, I don't know how this is possible, but they convinced a bank of this math that doesn't make any sense. Craft Beer has received six years of unanswered double-digit growth. 
give us an $11 million loan, and we will maintain that for another 20 years to pay off this loan. That's That really math doesn't work. Yeah. And, but that's everyone was kind of feeling the electric in the room at the time. It's hype. Well, no. We just went through it, and I, and I, and I talked about it while we were in it, and you might have heard me. I was always like, craft beer is in a dot-com boom right now. And it was until last CBC when they wow. just shut the fucking door. I never put that together until you said it, but that's exactly right. That's exactly it, and I just I knew that, and that's why you know uh, I just I mean anyone who knows me early on, I was on the road twenty four seven, just grinding, 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 fighting this relevance fight. You know, the quality aspect is something we've really had to address. You know, at first we felt that we weren't relevant enough in the fifth largest city in the U.S. Just a couple hours. You know, south of us, and uh, and once we kind of got that attention, we didn't understand that scale and quality uh, don't necessarily just come with one another. Are you expecting like, more fallout? No, we're done. We're fixed. No, I'm, I'm for other breweries in the crap brewing oh, industry in general. I was like, I was like, no, we fixed our shit. No, um, yeah, yeah, you guys did. You guys did a really good job of of reestablishing your place in the market. But as far as the the every every day. I'm like, oh, oh, another brewery close. Oh, another brewery close. Oh, this one's, is they're planning on closing or Failure not. Failure to open rate is still pretty low. I would say that. I would start there. Uh, I would say that craft beer is generally viewed like restaurants because Arizona, at least here, and because food is the next logical step, and that's where a lot of money gets made. But breweries are farms. Make no mistake about it. So you don't think the, the people going to opening in craft breweries, it's not about the beer anymore. You think it's all about the food attachment to it. I think that people, well, I mean, you have to understand when you open a brewery, you're opening a farm. You're buying millions, tens of thousands, thousands of dollars in equipment that you'll take 20 years to pay off you don't pay my through microtransactions out the door. Whether you sell across the tap room or not, unless, you know, you're opening up a restaurant with a brewery concept built into it and it, you know, in the foods feeding everything, like even then still like the production of everything, like think about a dairy, right? Produce, 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 put out milk. How long do you think it takes to pay off a dairy like the one in Tempe at $2 a gallon? How long do you think that takes to pay off? I don't know. I'd, I'd hate to even guess. A long time probably. Yeah. You've seen those tanks? It's a lot of gallons. I know. I like to buy those tanks. I like using dairy equipment. We look at a $3 gallon of milk like it's made of poison. But when you think about paying that equipment off as a business owner, you're like, holy shit, I'll pay five. <laughs> you know, obviously we're not going to, but that's, you know, you, you start to understand the whole, like, why we are like farms. Like, I have to pay $30,000 to get grain. I then have to turn that into a perishable product. Perishable. With a distillery, it's different and awesome. Uh, but now I'm turning it into a, a perishable product, and then I ship that out for sales to my distributor. Uh, and so, I mean, you can cut the distributor aspect out of this, but it's all still true. Uh, and the distributor takes a percentage. Now they're out selling it, and they're eventually going to pay me, or the retailers are going to pay me, is I'm delivering a beer that already took at least two weeks to make, and I'm now paying people to deliver it, Cake colors that I had to pay for on. There are a lot. And when you start to break down the process, an innumerable amount of these, like, barriers, right, of just, like, shit you need to get done. It's expensive. It's fucking hard. And people are just like, you, 
when you open a restaurant, yeah. it's a little different. You pay for equipment that's not nearly as expensive, and you buy perishable product that you turn over every 24 hours, and every seven days you have uh, a profit per report. But it takes, like, I don't even want to tell you, like, the, the sentence that we locked in building this brewery. You know, like, we are basically going to pay for it for 15 years. It's, it's hard for me on, on the size that I'm at and the size that you guys are to relate the amount of, of investment and rate of return because I'm seven barrel. You guys are on another level. For sure. I sell everything I make over my bar. You guys uh-huh. make it and put it in every grocery store, you know, from here to Yuma. You, you, like, I don't even know how many square miles that is. With the amount of cities and places you guys are selling your beer, it's a different market. It's a, it's a different... Um, it's absolutely a different business plan. It's com- it's something that I can't relate to. Right, but if you knew ahead of time it's something you wanted to do, you would mind- you'd mindfully I, scale to it. Sometimes I say I don't want to get that big, and that is not my plan. You know what I mean? It's, I like when, when, when you when you can kind of be when the needle can kind of move you. It's nice, right? Do you look so, at is the is the moval? So, like I said, the, the needle moves you. Yeah, so, so like you're doing so well that you have to add more equipment to produce more beer, or you need more seats because people want to come in too much. So what was do you do? Was that your plan when you guys started, dude? When when the company started, like John just thought that like Four Peaks would be hot in Williams, and uh, and then so you know talking to Andy and every, everyone and getting opening. Uh, Were they just helpful like, to you at that time? Oh, dude, they're the best. I mean, I, I've got nothing bad to say about the Four Peaks dudes. Schultz, Andy, um, Scussel, Teddy, Ten, yeah. John. I don't want to miss anybody, but, like, they're amazing dudes, and we wouldn't be here without them. And it's impossible to stand on the ground they built and talk shit. I mean, guys, so you could have sold it to anybody something. else for real. Not, I don't want to put you on the spot with this. Is it now more difficult that the fact that they are now A.B.? AB zero cents from my wallet until I die. That said, because I still love them. You're comp- you you compete against them directly, and you, you're competing against that giant. To be clear, Four Peaks has nothing to do with this, but Anheuser Busch slash Imbev pays lobbyists in all fifty states of the United States to convince senators and representatives to continue to keep the laws that allow us freedom to brew and expand the way we have down and to keep and to objectively try to put us out of business. Mm -hmm. I don't care if someone wants to sell. I don't care if they want to turn 20 years of amazing hard work that helped a ton of us get here and get fucking paid. Have it. Have it all day. Mm -hmm. But you sold to the enemy. At some point when you decide you guys get so big, who do you even sell to? Because it's not like there's like... Well, San Miguel's throwing their hat in the ring right now. Uh, Constellation seems to have closed the door on that. There's a few of them, but they're not... (laughs) But generally, they're not on average looking for the average person just selling. If you kind of look around the state, you'll learn a lot of things you don't want to and how many investment firms are legitimately involved in breweries. So, I mean, you can reach out to investment firms. Again, the dot-com style boom helped us. Yeah. A lot, right? And so what you're going to see right now is a lot of people with a lot of disposable income, a lot of people like, you know, Trump, love them or leave them. The economy is in flux. Uh, So some people looking to spend the boon that they've received and then to not be taxed on it later. Um, 
or looking to uh, you know re- recoup some investment money made. They're, they're, the the, the economy is in such flux right now. People are looking for places to put money. Bottom line, and craft beer just got done being the boss hog of all fucking beverages for a while. And I just, I mean, obviously the spirits are great for us and we love it. And and people ask a lot. And I think that people also avoid asking a lot. But like beer and f- fermentation science is my love. But beer is always my first love. Like when we're out at events, I'll drink a few beers. Usually first, also. <laughs> no way. It keeps you more sober. <laughs> but now you guys are into spirits. Yeah, I like fermentation. <laughs> Maybe I'll just start making kombucha next week. Don't worry about it. I don't enjoy kombucha. I tried to, but it's not my thing. I make a lot of things I don't enjoy, man. Uh, well, not a lot Is of things. Is it for the money? There's, there's a, no. No, no, no. Uh, like, objectively, there's some beer styles I don't like, right? But like a hazy mm-hmm. IPA. No, not like that. Like, uh, that's just objectively something that no one wants to do. <laughs> you know, not the brewers, not, not like our, our, our fan base isn't asking for it. So, yeah. I mean, we just we just made a decision at some point, right? So, like, our prickly pear wheat. It's know, a good fucking beer. Right? Yes. Right? And then, like, now it's what our sales team's drinking. It's what our brewers are drinking. It's So, I, I asked Dan this question. It's sometimes because... The craft beer industry is a lot of times looked at as being the hipster mentality of things. When it becomes too popular Are or too big. Are we going to talk about neck beards? <laughs> I don't have one, do you? No, you don't have one. No. But we're gonna, when, no, neck beards is the derogatory. So wine has wine snobs, but I wanted to, uh, you know, everyone gets to throw their hat in the ring on what we call generations. So I'm throwing my hat in on this. I want to call the, the wine snobs of beer neck beards. It makes sense. I've been throwing it out there for a while, so let's hope it just sticks. <laughs> so, collaboration beer name right there, mm. Neckbeard. But Neckbeard sweater. The Unix Neckbeard. So when you become so big and so available, and now they can get it, therefore they don't want it. Oh, dude. So I was just having this conversation with a, a local beer nerd, um, and uh, he was talking to me about like, oh, but this and this, and we we're just kind of debating a few things, and I was like. Cool. When was the last time you drank my amber? I was like, I've been making it for 12 mm-hmm. years. You drank it at one point, right? He's like, yeah. I was like, when? It's like five years ago at least. I'm like, cool. Well, I've been through two brewers. <laughs> uh, I've bought a ton of equipment to make this better. Uh, I've done everything I need to to make the beer better. How do I drive dudes like you back to trying the beer that built my empire? Like... Pilsner and Amber most just very much, and I'll never even try to compare myself to the shoots, but they have Mere Pond and Black Butte Porter. Yes. I like that dual flagship kind of lead. I like it a lot. When I was a craft beer buyer, I always kind of dug it, and so it's kind of what we built here. Um, but, you know, buying the Pilsner, buying the Amber, I'm never going to be mad at that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you just... So when these guys are like, oh, well, you know, Grand Canyon fucking sucks because fucking you've been on all these Everybody things. says you Insert. fucking suck. Well, uh, I'm on these things a little more than you for my own place. You so need quit, we, 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 you we get some heat. Quit digging that deep. We, 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 get, we get hit with some heat. Um, but the thing is, is it's like we actively in the message we try to go like unless like we're just I, I don't know like I'm stuttering all over the places there's like a thousand thoughts in my head so like I think we were just too old at the wrong time because like we're we're old enough to where like people who are like trying to discover new beers and stuff like that they're like oh Grand Canyon 
I know what that's all about. And then uh, we're not new enough where people like looking for new shit are like looking for it. And then so I feel that sometimes like when we're like making these strides, like that Pilsner like got a tad out of whack on our shelf life for a while because there's too much oxygen and DO2 in the beer. And we bought a, a $260,000 centrifuge to fix it. Like, yeah, I'm so jealous that of that. That is fucking, like, that is siding your soul away to fix beer. And then I'm just, all I'm asking is anybody is, like, if you had a bad beer from us, I'm fucking sorry. I get it. I, I, I could sit here and give you reasons or nuances all day about, like, trying to operate a company and not letting it collapse from, like, one bad batch or whatever. And we could get into everything. But at the end of the day... Fucking pick up a lager once every six months. If you know, if I've made something interesting that you liked, maybe I, I made strides to make my core beers better. Maybe uh, maybe the next thing we tried out, you know, and, and and I get that only for so long you can give people like. Chances. Is that a constant fight for you guys and a worry? I don't try to worry about any of that, man. Uh, we're just trying. I, I don't know. Like our culture's on point, and I and I know. I know that it works because we've, we've, we've had interactions with people where they're like, we love your company, we love what you're about, we love what you're doing, right? So it's not, and, and those aren't like weirdo outliers or anything like that. It's not like four people, right? So the people in Williams kind of keep us in check. The tourists that come through give us a real good perspective of what everyone else is thinking. And then, you know, we get out there ourselves and kind of like look for inspiration and innovation. And so at the end of the day, the only thing we can do is we want to brew heritage style beers like we do a lot of community give back we you know it's all about for us getting out and seeing arizona discover gcb like we want you to be able to have access to beers we want you to be able to rely on the quality of those beers uh and the rate we release them and that is the majority of our vision and we do crazy stuff that our brewers want to do and that like i have passion for and where Deep in the Green and like Wild Saison and Dire Wolf come from, but yeah, speaking people of forget dire- that it's okay to just like brew an amber that's right on point with the American amber style ale and just make it. Enjoyable. People still like those beers. Oh, I know. We and sell for, a ton and, of them. And for me, the demographic that I have, I'm not in the hipster mentality part of towns where they want the rarest of the rare and these oh. these stupid really the ticker. Yeah. Oh, okay. tried it. Moving on. Some of those beers, they're just just—they're just good, solid beers. I'd love to have them. You brought up Dire Wolf, I just, and it's just hit. Click. Wow. I haven't had that in a while. When is the next Dire Wolf coming out? Nymeria. Um, that should be released. The barrels that we had Dire Wolf in coming to like two years pretty soon, I think. I think and that's and how do I get it? I mean, obviously, we'll be hanging out. I'm sure that... Yeah, I'm sure we will, but I, yeah. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to assume anything because uh, well, you know I, I mean, want that. I'm not assuming anything. I mean, Total Wine uh, brings in everything we make. Fuck those guys. No, They're great. I, no, yeah. I should have it. <laughs> what? I should have it like a week in <laughs> advance. Oh, you, I, here I am just hanging out with my friend Brandon. I forget yeah. that you're operating exactly. your whole yeah, yeah, brewery yeah. and buy my beer. Off the record. Uh, we're and like support it a ton. Some microphones in our face. But yeah, you're going to give me like that way before, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. All right. That makes me feel happy. No, for sure. Yeah, that makes uh, me happy. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with just brewing consistent beer and then a few weird things on the side. And I think that there's a small, loud voice that doesn't like any of that. And 
The problem is, is it's all like a giant game of telephone with just some of the weirdest. Like craft beer brings out some characters, and I love it. But you've got a giant game of telephone going on through five different social media platforms, through 3,600 different groups. Do you spend your day on the phone, like, talking to these people? Nah. Oh, oh talking to people? Yeah. yeah. I email on the internet. It's like, oh, and, 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 and how is it to explain to people, look, yes, we're Grand Canyon. Yes, we're pretty big. Yes, we've made our solid core beers. But we got some really good shit coming on. You need to have this. I would say because it's probably true that if you've never been to my brewery, you probably shouldn't judge it. I can't wait to come up because there. Because walking into it generally makes people take a step back and reevaluate what they thought. And that's not said with arrogance. It's just said with objectivity. I don't know how to describe our brewery. I've tried a bunch. It's just not going to work. You have to see it. I ask people at the bar all the if, time. If you, if you haven't seen it since 2016, we built a five-acre compound, man. It's wow. I was there in 2015, so I need to go back. <laughs> yes, I've never, I've never you, been. You just missed it. Uh, there were some lawsuits that kept us uh, from expanding in 2013, 14 when we were supposed to. That's a podcast for another day. Dude, I've got at least a dozen of them. But yeah, and we'll bring our, our law attorney on, and she can help explain that <laughs> kind of shit because she's awesome. Yeah. I'm not going to bring this up about so never mind about this yeah, we gotta, topic. We gotta wrap it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Alex has to go home. Alex has really done me a big favor. I, I so, got like 10, 15 minutes. It's fine. So I've already killed enough of everyone's I super have to already, pee. By the way. <laughs> I've been here for like seven <laughs> hours a day. Yeah. But um, thank you. I want to say thank you. Um, no, thank you. Know, you. I know you, I'm super crazy, but yeah. I just I just want it all to work, man. Like rad people exist in this industry. I think that. Just to kind of interject for a half a second, I know that Sam Kellogg Gone is famous for saying like our industry is like 95% douchebag free, but, but we all know the 5% the pool has increased, and uh, that 5% is a lot more people. And yep. uh, it's just it's it's, it's it's I'm happy that Arizona is full of awesome people, uh, full of great beer, and that we get to kind of like objectively analyze older states while we're kind of in a really we're like one of like three states in an upswing and still kind of feeling the residuals of yeah, that dot com boom. We're way behind. It's like the us, curve. New Mexico and Texas. We're behind all these states, but like those states also house all the giant breweries closing up shop. All the breweries that are like turning into contract breweries. All the breweries that like every decision has a consequence. Mm-hmm. And uh, at some point some people wanted to chase craft, some people wanted to chase getting big and be true to yourself, man. Like, understand what you want. Like, if we never get to 60,000 barrels, I will be okay with that. As long as we remain profitable, I pay people, and they're happy with their employment. It's a goal. I don't have to force it with a stupid bank loan or math, wizard math. I just serve your community. When I, when I, think, like, when I think about what I want to do with my life, like, I think about John Lane, man. Like, how about a dude who just represents the community? When like I remember working side by side John Lane when I was at Iguana Max and Chandler and he's at Dose, I mean, forever ago, and this dude has just now become this icon in the industry who's just the one thing he's known for just being the chillest fucking most helpful dude in the planet. If I could serve my community half as well as John Lane, that's all I want to accomplish. While my employees get paid. It's not science. It's just... That's the thing I love about our community. Having a goal. 
we are we are full of a lot of really helpful um, people who are loop that that was one of the things that really bothered me so side note is that when I, when I started this brewery I went and I talked to a lot of breweries I talked to a lot of brewers a lot of brewery owners I want to know how they did this how they did this and when I would go talk to them I was kind of shocked at the amount of people who wouldn't help me and I was kind of like disappointed because I went and worked with Tom Hennessy in Colorado and he's like he helps these people start breweries. He has this little tiny brewery in this little tiny town of 600 people. And he's so giving with the amount of his time. And that's what made me love Steve McFate so much because he went and he oh, was fully. I just need to reiterate, he is one of the greatest human beings. He is. And just, um, we'll just be the nicest human on the planet. We will be talking about that in an upcoming episode. So, teaser. But that when we would go and. I started getting these messages from these other people who went and took the courses in Colorado Boy and some other people who took Colorado Boy classes broke off and started their own. And when I would say, they would send me messages, hey, can I ask you some questions? Can I, can I, how'd you do this? How'd you do that? I would reply to them. I was shocked with the amount of people who came back to me and said, wow, you're the only person who replied back to me. And it broke my heart because I was like, you know what, Tom, was such an amazing person. Steve was much an amazing person. And to get you, Alex, to get, you know, um, Matt, to get all these people from other breweries to come and sit down and talk to me about this kind of stuff, it, I know, I know now as a business owner, a brewery owner, how important time is. But I know how important it is for this guy, this guy, I don't know his name, he, he comes across my bar and he wants me to ask you some questions. Whatever I'm going to say to that guy or not say to that guy, he's going to take it and go with it to the next level. And I look at that as being that I've got a responsibility. Let's be a little geek here. With great power comes with great responsibility. And I have to help these people. I'm going to be open with them. I'm going to be 100% honest with these people. It might be right for them. It might not be. But in the end, I want to – I never want somebody to ever come and say they talk to me and that I was a dick to them, and I, was, I wasn't helpful to them. Yeah, man, and really, you're going to celebrate now? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, that's another podcast for another time, but, no. I mean, but for you to sit down and be as honest with you are, because we it's, talk. It, it's, it's, all, it's all I know how to be, man. It, it, uh, that's why I, I love just, you. I think at the end of the day, I always try to remind people that I'm a selfish human being just so when they're trying to tell me how awesome I am. You are far they, they, from they for, selfish. They forget it. Helping anybody improves my segment, right? Objectively, right? So if you ask me for help and I tell you no and someone's first craft beer experience is in your shithole, hypothetically, I love your place. <laughs> um, Thank you. That's on me. I don't know, man. It just doesn't serve anybody to not, I guess, to just just wipe that. I was having a conversation when we were at this place. These these soap guys that make they they make soap and they made soap out of our beer and they're super cool yogis and they like brought their shit in. They're talking to me about like the the competition. They're like this is amazing, and I'm like, this is amazing because a bunch of local people put this shit the fuck together. Earn your booze, Grand Canyon, Q mixers. Um, Baptiste Power Yoga, Phoenix, Copper Blues, Breakthrough Beverage, like coalesced all their resources together because we all have a shared 
pool that we're working from, people that went and had an awesome time today aren't going to not go to an Oso uh-huh. uh, event for their spirits or a Santan Spirits event. Or if they liked our beer, they're not going to not try that style again somewhere. It all serves all of us. And we would all do well to remember that. Is that you don't have to tear those down to bring yourself up. Got the watch check again. <laughs> but, I mean... For real, man. I know it sounds cheesy as shit, but like it just—it only serves to help others. I have fraud, fraud syndrome, so like I always just feel like I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. So I always warn people that no, people should what, what pay you get for is free. Wisdom. What you get is free, so you got what you paid for. But I'll give you everything I got because it's the only thing I have. Mm-hmm. And if it's cool and it works for you, that's fine. And if it doesn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, no need to apologize. Because well, I, I don't. And uh, to be clear. On the record, I don't apologize for anything. It's a learning experience, and you move forward. That's why I love you. You're, you just like just like with Matt. You guys are who you are, and there's a lot of people I've met in this industry. Some I can take, some I'm like, eh. But there's certain people I just I just I I value the time that I meet with, and I get to hang out with. Oh, this Matt, is amazing! Like knowing that I was like on my way home to where my wife works to meet and hang out with you today. That's awesome, man, and it's it's easy to give time like that, but at the same time, don't discount the fact that you drove 110 miles from California <laughs> <laughs> or Peoria, wherever you're from, uh, all the way out here because it was convenient for me, you know what I mean? And uh, I think just like compromise, we all make this work because we all know we all have to give a little, right? Like when I'm trying to like work stuff out with Noel or Matt or Ryan or – any of these other breweries we work with, no one is ever under the assumption that they are running shit, have all the answers. You know, everyone's got to, like, give a little here, even when we go out and enjoy the town, right? You know, or even when we're going to meet up, like, got to give a little. And it's, so... It's been two and a half years for me. I, I appreciate I you reaching out and coming out just the same, so... Uh, I'm only sad we don't get to talk more, because I'm going to have to lock this up. We'll do this again. Yes. We will do this again. Uh, if my wife didn't work here, I could make up an excuse later. <laughs> but she does. So, so. I, so, Alex, I want to thank you. Thank you. This is awesome. I appreciate it. And we will do this again soon. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you. buddy. Peace out.